guys, welcome to Slash Support. This week, Prue is not with us, but she is in a different realm. In the meantime, I am joined by Marilyn. Hi! Lepagus. Hello! And 20-something, aka Kate. I'm always last. That's because I have to say two names for you. Mm. Sorry. Um, and... (laughs) This week we are talking about Night Vale, so you guys are really lucky that I didn't try to write and do like a stupid oh. Night Vale style intro. <laughs> Count your blessings. I, when you said that Prue was in another realm, that was pretty close. <laughs> <laughs> well, she's, you know, in a different country and state, so that's like a whole other realm. Different to you. Yeah, is- she's a different state and country from you, but, you know. Isn't she in a different state from the rest of you right now? Actually, Where is she? Yeah, she's in New York, none of us are in New York. Oh, there you okay. go. See? <laughs> so she's in a different realm. Um, yes, you're right. I stand corrected. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Good, we're gonna go on. Let's Moving on. Um, if you guys don't know what Night Vale is, I guess we should probably do a brief introduction to what it is. Uh, Marilyn, do you want to describe it? <laughs> yes, I would totally love to. <laughs> I'm really excited. Um, so Welcome to Night Vale is a podcast that's put on a group um, called Commonplace Books. They're based in Brooklyn, naturally, nice. um, <laughs> to the surprise of probably no one. And uh, I think one of the, the most apt descriptions of it, it's it's sort of hard to just hard to describe, unfortunately, but one of the more apt descriptions I've ever heard was that it's sort of like a prairie home companion as done by Stephen King. Um, so what it is, it's a radio show um, in the fictional town of Nightvale, uh, which is a very, very odd little desert town. And um, your host, Cecil, or Cecil, I always say it wrong, um, is reading the morning, the news, the community bulletins, any sort of gossip. And, um, and every episode is sort of like a little bottle episode where he talks about all of these things that are happening in this town um, as if they're totally normal and they're really, really not. And sort of that's where kind of like the creepy factor of it comes from. And also the sort of charm of it is this very interesting blend of this sort of small town mundanities with this like incredibly horrifying stuff that um, your narrator just sort of takes as red. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think, Mary, you and I had, like, a weird conversation about this where I was like, but what if, like, all of the crazy shit that they take, like, totally for granted in Night Vale is what keeps them from being desert bluffs? I think it is. Well, the interesting thing about it is I feel like you're you're going along and you're listening to this and, um... You think, like, this town is so weird and so freaking creepy and, like, all of these strange things. And um, and then you become more familiar through various plot things with the town of Desert Bluffs, which is sort of like Night Vale's, like, creepy doppelganger town. Um, and once you find out more about them, you realize that they're actually the really messed up ones and Night Vale is awesome. <laughs> and I about you to all put this out there. Desert Bluffs is the worst. Desert yes. Bluffs is the worst. Right. Those assholes. <laughs> And you think they're okay, and then you realize they're just terrible. (laughs) They really are. Well, Desert Bluffs is kind of like, oh, it's like a Stepford Wives, like if everyone were secretly totally hanging out with aliens and monsters, as well as being... But, um, yeah, so like, I I think that's it. Evil Eagleton. Right. Parks and Rec. Yeah, Yeah, like, it does kind of remind me of Parks and Rec a little bit. Um, it has some weird sort of humor glimmerings of that. Um, but... I think, like, 
what's what's sort of also interesting in it is they do kind of manage to fairly skillfully weave in some sort of level of like social commentary, political commentary um, into it as you're sort of going along. And then you do sort of become more familiar with the sort of wacky citizens of this town. And as you listen, all, all these like sort of in jokes start kind of like start building on each other, kind of like arrested development style. (laughs) And, um, (laughs) and by the end of it, you're like, you know, by the time you hit like, like episode 19, you're like, dang it, Steve Carlsberg. (laughs) Steve Carlsberg. And and I will say, I think um, one of the, so the entire thing is mostly, and there are a few other voice actors who do this, but the the main um, voice actor, Cecil, who is the radio host, um, that guy is actually, I I don't think you can say enough about how good a job he does at what he does. Mm-hmm. Um, he is he is fantastic, and um, he just has a really nice voice for radio anyway, and he manages to, uh, he's very funny, and he manages to do a lot of things with Cecil the character, um, and and, and it, it's, it's really impressive. I think that's sort of like kind of the heart of the entire show is really, you know, Cecil. <laughs> yeah, well, you yeah. kind of like, how can you not love Cecil? Like, he's just such a lovable weirdo. Yeah. Yeah, and um, all of his, like, really weird opinions and his hate-ons for various people and things. <laughs> and, um, and you're like, the only reason he can get away with that is, one, it's Night Vale, and two, it's community radio in Night Vale. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah, like, I don't think he gets paid for this. No. I think he no. just kind of shows up to the radio station well, and they're like, yeah. Okay. There is, like, an interesting moment, I feel like, I forget when, when um, he's like, I'm not even really sure this is connected <laughs> to anything or that anybody's listening to me, but I'm doing it anyway. Yeah. <laughs> he's just gonna keep doing the news no matter what yeah you know the, the town council makes him probably yeah and i mean the care. sheriff's secret police makes it all of us do things <laughs> yeah right. um yeah so i think what's what's interesting about it is i've never really um i'm not really sure like why it's managed to become so popular i don't know if any of you guys have like why is it kind of a weird thing right now prue and i were talking about that and she was like i don't understand because she heard about it a while back she's really into podcasting right like really into podcasting and she was like oh yeah the podcasting community is talking about it they've been talking about it for months and I thought about listening to it um but she's actually okay I'm skipping ahead but she's actually mad that probably a bunch of people got into it because of the gay element no I don't think that's what it is I don't buy it of her podcasting feelings banished it from her life Basically. Yeah, I, I mean, mean, I guess we should say there is, there is like a very, it's such a very weird, it's like a background thing, though, I feel like, to the real show, but Cecil does have a giant raging crush on uh, Carlos, scientist who comes into town at the very beginning of the show, and he has perfect hair and a perfect voice, and he's perfect, um, <laughs> and he's basically a scientist who's come to study Night Vale. It's weird, though, because he, Carlos is ostensibly, I would say, from our world, and he's trying to do experiments and figure out what the heck is up with this town. Um, so he would be like an audience POV character, only he's like... Um, you never see him really uh, at all. So, like, you don't get the the normal person's view of this town. You only get the crazy. <laughs> yeah, we have um, his his voicemails, but that's about it. Yeah, yeah you do you do hear him later on, but um, but yeah. So, like, you don't actually get like some sort of normal baseline at all. It doesn't give you that. You just you know. <laughs> um, but yeah. he is sort of like in the background, like, and and Cecil sort of like, isn't that cute? Carlos thinks this is really weird. <laughs> I'm adorable. <laughs> He told me to tell you all that we might all die in like five minutes. <laughs> That's great. Sign now. Now for traffic. <laughs> yeah. So, but um, but I think uh, that 
So, but it, and so they do obviously Cecil's region crush on him could be seen from you know space or whatever is up in space watching us and um, but and they do actually it doesn't it's not like queer baiting necessarily because they do there is something there that the show actually does you know, explore later on without too many spoilers or anything like that um yeah. But I don't know. I don't necessarily feel like it's not really like a thing that was the main thing that drew me into listening to the the podcast, though. No, the thing that drew me in is, um, and I'm going to try to avoid as many spoilers as possible, but the two-part Sandstorm episode, by the time Uh, I hit that point. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's episodes like 19A and 19B, and I think in in terms of like just pure storytelling, I think that's how the show really like levels up, and um, yeah, really great. (laughs) Yeah, it's... And I think that's kind of where it goes from kind of like episode in a can, kind of like creepypasta. You could pick it up at any point, presumably before then. You would miss out on some of the kind of rambling in-jokes that are picked up in episode, you know, one, then picked up in episode four. And you don't get that narrative thread, which I don't know about you, but a lot of us, I think, came to it a little bit later and then just completely gorged ourselves on these episodes. (laughs) And so when you're listening to them all in succession, you're like, oh, yeah, like it's really easy to pick up on those things versus listening to it on a bi-weekly basis. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think like around the standstorm is when they really kind of decided like, okay, we're going to go for a greater continuity and you're going to see more of a clear narrative about this town. Yeah. There's a, there's a larger narrative arc that is happening now. Um, so that, that's, it's pretty great. Um, and I, I will say, you know what, she Prue could be right. And that may be the reason why, like, and I will say, like, I only really got into it because fandom was interested in it. And it's entirely possible that the only reason fandom was interested in it was because of the, you know, the background gay romance element. Like, I couldn't say necessarily one way or the other, but I don't think that's why you, if you, if you don't like the show, that's not going to be something that's like, you're going to stick around for the gay and then just sort of like be here for all the various wackadoodle things. Because the there's like a lot of wackadoodle, and there's very little relationship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind of, so. it's almost sort of like Jin, Jin, like, dash MM, like, if you're going to tag this on as an AO3 fit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, and also, I mean, I, I have to say, I don't, I don't see anything wrong with somebody being attracted to this show because of the relationship between Cecil and Cecil, whatever, um, and Carlos, because it's such an interesting way to explore any relationship. You know, if Carlos had been Carlita or Cecil had been Cecil, yeah, I can't Someone, even think of there, it. There is actually um, a girl. There's one of there, yeah. Of girl. course, there is gender bed. And it wasn't me. He's simple and he's Carmelita. I was about to say, 20-something, I'm actually really disappointed in you for not having written it. Like, <laughs> you failed. You've, you've been a disgrace to your people. Didn't she just but, finish listening to this, like, a day ago? No excuse. No <laughs> excuse whatsoever. Sorry. Uh, I was late to the party. Now yeah. I brought the same crock pot. Yeah. <laughs> but but I mean, one of the things that I think is really great about that particular relationship, and I, I don't think anybody should be ashamed for, you know, coming for for that particular aspect of it is because it, uh, okay, you know, it's spoilers, fuck it. Uh, it follows through. Um, I was going to say, you know what, if you haven't re- listened to all the episodes anyway, like stop listening to this podcast and you go listen to them. Um, and, uh, that, that's something that is, is very nice to have in, um, I mean, I wouldn't call this mainstream media, but, you know, in something that you're interested in where you don't feel like 
you know, it's it's something to be embarrassed about, you know. Well, it so did just overtake yeah. NPR as like number one podcast on iTunes. Yeah. So, but I will say, like, I, I think I, I do agree with you guys, and I feel like if I'm sure, like, since I didn't start listening to it until between, I think after episode 26 it aired. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, I, it was only like two weeks ago. But I feel like if you're watching it, if you were listening to it initially, you could totally see the very familiar, like, fandom thing of, like, this one character clearly having a very explicit crush on another, you know, male character. Um, And they didn't really have to do anything with that. It could have just been, like, a running joke of, like, Cecil every once in a while getting distracted and rhapsodizing about Carlos's perfection. Yeah. And, like, yeah. One another one of those running jokes, and like they didn't actually have to have them have a relationship, mm-hmm. and they do actually go there. So yeah, it's not like well, queer baby in the exactly. Sense. Well, yeah. and it was really it was really interesting for me. I think I might be the one who well, listened to this earliest. Um, yes. I'm not sure when you started. <laughs> I think you, I think you were because when I started, yeah, like, ah. <laughs> yeah. Marilyn, I, like, I, hey. I was like, losing my mind on Twitter, and you were like, yeah. Yeah, basically. Technically, yeah. Uh, well, no, I mean that's that's a fair that's a fair uh, uh, representation of of my reaction. But no, but when I started watch listening to it, um, one year later hadn't aired yet, so it was very much uh, Cecil's long running crush on Carlos, um, and just just in terms of. The thing that I actually really love about Cecil is, in Cecil's relationship with Carlos, and we'll talk more about Cecil, is um, that it's really quite obsessive and creepy yeah, <laughs> in a lot of ways. 100%. And it's like, and, and, and I was like, oh, Cecil, I know exactly what's going on here. And it's not healthy, but you know, I've, I've been there. Damn, is it healthy. Well, I also feel like... Is because, I mean, there's, there's this really great um, thing where... Um, you know, Cecil has a lot of feelings about Carlos's hair and teeth <laughs> and things like that. And um, what's his name? The barber. Telly. Oh, Telly, Telly, thank you. Telly, Telly the Telly barber. Telly the barber. Telly the Telly barber. The treacherous barber. Telly cuts uh, Carlos's hair, presumably at Carlos's instruction, although this is Night Vale, so it's very possible that <laughs> Telly broke into Carlos's house. And forcibly gave him a haircut. You <laughs> don't like actually know. Needed haircut day or something. Exactly. Yeah, and and that's actually something that I want to talk about after we talk about Cecil and Carlos because everybody has Cecil and Carlos feels. But anyway, um, when Cecil found out about this, Cecil went on like a one man campaign to get Telly like run out of town. And then he was. <laughs> and he did. He got and, that like, shit done throughout the entire throughout this entire like season or podcast or whatever you want to call it every once in a while there are um descriptions of this mad old barber wandering the sand waste trying to give a haircut to a cactus (laughs) and it's telly and cecil did that (laughs) well and i I feel like that's it's very like like, night veil like yeah, I feel like no, that's how people do relationships. And I think another really sort of charming aspect to it is his, he's he's so kind of, like, creepy and obsessive, but he's not subtle about it at all. No. <laughs> so, like, no, everyone is listening to the podcast. It's not like he was, like, stalking him on Facebook in, like, the no. dark of his, you know, his bedroom and no one knew. <laughs> like, he's he's just broadcasting all of his feelings, his creepy feelings and his hate on for, you know, telly and, like, yeah. <laughs> to everybody. The thing exactly. with Carlos 
is that at first I just thought, like, okay, Carlos clearly isn't interested. Like, no big deal. But as you get to, like, the episodes that just aired, I was like, maybe Carlos is actually, like, kind of like Spock. Because when Cecil says, like, you know, he used to call, and he would be like, Cecil, I am not calling for personal reasons. <laughs> yeah, I think yeah. I think you do sort of get more shades of his personality as goes on. I feel like he is kind of awkward. He doesn't, he's not good with feelings. He's not smooth. He just looks really pretty. Yeah. As presumably, and I was going to say, I don't think he maybe he even necessarily does. I think Cecil just kind of, you know, was like, I want that. (laughs) And and one other thing that I really do want to say is that um, we never get any kind of indication as to what kind of scientist Carlos is. And I think that's because Cecil has no idea how science works. It's nice. So he's just like, it's science. Me. He thinks it's he thinks it's adorable. It's like Carlos has a hobby and he like builds model ships. Isn't that cute? <laughs> Look at him. Listen, you like, remember every young woman should have an occupation. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Well, he, he does say it like, but haven't we all been scientists at one point or another? Come on. <laughs> so I think he does. Wait. You guys remember that there was that episode where, like, the school is changing its curriculum, and they yeah. talk about, like, the rock class and how there's a new kind of rock that the students yes. have to study? Yes. And they're like, and the first student to find proof that this rock exists, like, wins. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, he has I to think, pass the class. I think, like, kind of, like, the magic of this show is that pretty much off, like, because of the kind of power and charisma of Cecil, you're, like, you're with this show right off the bat. Oh, you, yeah. You're like, realistically... They're doing things that are wrong. It's scary. You like shriek into the night sometimes because of things you're thinking about afterward. But like you're, you want them to succeed. You want them to be happy. You want like old woman Josie to keep hanging out with the angels. Like everything. Like <laughs> right. Exactly. No, I, I think you you it, do it for them to get you kind of like in the heart right away, and not in like a feelings kind of way necessarily but kind of like in a like you on their side yeah, yeah. yeah. i definitely I want them to like destroy is... desert bluffs yeah, yeah. Like, like, well, like, that's like well and i think like the interesting thing is i feel like night veil sort of creepiness there's a lot of you know bureaucratic um i don't know bureaucratic fascism and like bizarreness and like a lot of you know strange things and then desert bluffs though is um, very much like a court, an evil corporation is kind of behind a lot of their terribleness. And it's somehow more like sinister and creepy because like Night Vale is at least very upfront about the fact that like, you know, all of it's, you know, the government is making you do this and whatever. Mm-hmm. And then Desert Bluffs is sort of like the sinister corporation who's telling you that everything's fine and it's totally like, you know, la 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 la. And you're like, but it's not. <laughs> well, it's kind of like the creepiest part for me is, and this is like a huge spoiler. If you guys kept going, this is the biggest spoiler. During the Sandstorm episode, when Cecil talks about meeting his other in the void versus when Kevin well, talks about meeting Maybe his explain other. a little bit about what's going on. Basically, there's yeah. a sandstorm and everybody starts encountering their doppelganger. And, and or their double and they immediately start trying to kill each other. Yes. And the most male, of them succeed, like the intern Dana. Who's uh, us, by the way? Yeah. Go, Dana. Yeah, well, the intern Dana encounters her doppelganger, and one of them kills the other. Cecil's never quite sure which. But the Dana who remains is still awesome. Exactly. Subsequently to to this episode, he always prefaces it by Dana or Dana's doppelganger. Yeah. I'm not sure. 
<laughs> you know, and Cecil just kind of rolls with it. But Cecil meets his doppelganger, who is Kevin, the the um, radio announcer. And then we figure out that all the doppelgangers are actually from Double D- Desert Bluffs. Right. But what's great about it is, uh, so near the end of the two episodes, both Kevin and Cecil go through, there's like a, a portal. Faces. Vortex. A vortex yeah. on the wall of the radio studio. And they basically switch radio studios for a couple minutes. Um, and they meet each other in between because I don't want to like give away the rest of it. But when they meet between Cecil describes it as my doppelganger tried to kill me. Like he went for the throat. He tried to strangle me. I fought him. And then I remembered that I don't think we should fight our doppelgangers because they might be nice people or like they've been through a lot of shit. And so I let him go and we carried on and we went our separate ways. And when Cecil's awesome. Yeah, Cecil is awesome. He's the best. But when Kevin describes it, he's like, I met my doppelganger, and we hugged, we embraced, and it was a beautiful moment, and then we separated. And you're like, no, you tried to kill that dude. Yeah. Like, Kevin is a fucking liar. (laughs) Well, I think there's a bizarre, like, level of duplicity about everything involved in Desert Desert Bluffs. It's really what's creepy about it. Whereas Nightville wears all of its weirdness on its sleeve. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Nightville is like, listen, shit's gonna happen. Desert yeah. Bluffs is like, Maybe. there is no shit. Yeah, I was like... how you hug people in Desert Bluffs. You just exactly. go for the throat. <laughs> well, yeah, I was going to say, because one of the things that I loved about... Because the Sandstorm episode is in two episodes, because the first one is from Night Vale, and then the second one is uh, Desert Bluffs, and it has all, all different uh, theme music. It has all different, you know, it's, it's you know, Good Morning from Desert Bluffs. It's, it's, it's very, very upbeat. And for the first five minutes, it's totally, like, just, you know, traffic reports and, you know, cute things. And then it slowly starts to creep in on you that something's wrong. Whereas, yeah. you're right, Night Vale is just, like, you know, the, the, the way that I got hooked on Night Vale um, uh, immediately was the first, the very first episode, uh, Cecil comes on and is like, oh, I'd li- I'm really excited to announce the new dog park. And, the, the forbidden sorry. dog park. The forbidden <laughs> dog park. Do not park. Talk- about the dog park. Well, exactly. That's that's exactly what the announcement is, is that you're not allowed to take your dogs into the dog park. You're not allowed to take your children into the dog park. Don't look at the shadowy figures in the dog park. And I was just like, yes, whatever this is, I will take two. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so I think I think the, the thing that I love the most about the, the dichotomy between Desert Bluffs and, and Night Vale is, you're right, exactly, the, the, the duplicity of, of Desert Bluffs and kind of pretending that everything's okay. And Cecil being like, you know, I, I, I for one think that we should have here McDaniels as our next mayor. I mean, yes, he was indicted for embezzlement and he is a five-headed dragon, but <laughs> he's got what this, what this town needs. He's got some you know? good ideas about democracy. Exactly. <laughs> and he did say on his blog, if I were mayor, this is how I would run the, the town. So, and yeah, he got you know. arrested for that, but I think we would all vote for him. Exactly. So yeah. So yeah. I mean, just just yeah. I I just love that kind of uh, let your freak flag fly. And I'm not just saying that because I'm at Comic Con. Yes. And all the weird background noise is is <laughs> Gus is our Comic Con HQ today. Uh, I was gonna say, can I can I say can I say two Princess Leia's a, a Green Lantern and. Uh, some somebody from some sort of anime situation that I did not recognize but had pink ponytails have walked by in the past like five minutes. Good, and it's it's six thirty in the morning. <laughs> six thirty in the morning. Yeah. Also, <laughs> right after champ. <laughs> yeah. 
before we were recording when I was making fun of your sound situation, Gus. Yes. Like five minutes later, construction started up next door to me, so. Rock. <laughs> we're awesome. Rock on. Actually, neither of them are anywhere. These are both actually just coded messages. If you can hear the background noises, <laughs> do not listen to the background noises. There's do no not listen to the cries for help. Do not listen to them. The it's mayor, already the far too late. <laughs> Uh, well, I mean, one thing I did kind of also want to talk about is um, I think it's really interesting. I think that this has sort of become a fandom because I don't fandom has never really had a podcast fandom. And yeah. it was sort of interesting to me um, when I started listening to this, because I think there was a part of me that was when I was like, you know, I had them all on my iPod and I was, you know, queuing them up and I kept sort of like wanting a visual because I'm used to like watching a TV show or a movie or I would try to be doing work while I was listening to it at the office mm -hmm. and then I would just get completely distracted. <laughs> yeah. Just sort of sitting there with my fingers hovering over my keys making a horrified expression at my computer. <laughs> Isn't that how you always are at work though? I mean really. Yes, yeah. yes. But it's real. Normal. <laughs> and like it was just really interesting to me sort of like training myself to like, I don't know, digest this entire world only through the auditory because I've never really had a, you know, I don't listen to that many podcasts and um, it was just interesting. It's similar yeah. to me. I can only listen to it at home alone, preferably in the dark. <laughs> because I want it to be like extra. Under the scariest possible condition. Yeah, because otherwise I feel like I'm not getting the full impact. Oh, yeah, like, oh. I, I think it's it's interesting, because I feel like I would have to be like, no, you just have to sit here and you have to listen to this. And, and there's some weird, like, maybe like ADD generation kind of thing of like, you're only getting the sound, you just have to sit here and not do anything else and not look at your phone. It's a test. <laughs> you know what? No, everybody learns differently. Everybody processes differently. Thank you, teacher. Actually, it's interesting, I, maybe because I'm the most old and decrepit of, of the four of us. Or... What we're looking for is crone. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I am in, in any archetype. I am definitely the crown. Um, but um, and also, like, I grew up listening to NPR and listening to you know uh, Prairie Home Companion and Lake Wobegon and, and stuff like that. So actually, like, I, I don't think that there's it's not necessarily to be viewed as as uh, as a podcast. More like a, it, it is like an old fashioned radio show. Yeah. Um, and uh, and I think that that's really an interesting thing for fandom to glom onto. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm mildly surprised that they, they love it as much as they do, but uh, I'm, I'm certainly very pleased. Well, uh, I, I feel like they've managed to have some taste. Is that what you're saying, Gus? Yeah. <laughs> No, no, no. I, just, I just think it's, it's one of those things. It's, it's very, it's very, it's a very new medium, but it's also a very retro medium. So it's hipster, which is why it comes from Brooklyn. <laughs> there, you, there you go. Hipster. So yeah, yeah. And and I think that yeah, like I've I've seen a, a fair amount on Tumblr about um of fan art and um people doing you know if 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 Welcome to Night Vale was a TV show, people have done. Uh, stuff like that and uh the fan art is beautiful so yeah. beautiful and so cute so very cute. cute very cute somebody drew well, a picture of the angels with or like an angel with old woman josie mm -hmm. i saw that one it had yeah. like the crazy face and like a name tag that said erica and i was just like I yeah! Loved it. yeah it was really great so yeah I, and i think that actually one of the things about one of the great things about the fact that this is a podcast 
with only an auditory medium is that the fan art and the fandom can do kind of whatever you want it to. Right. And there's just, there's, there's a lot of space to fill. And I think for a lot of times when people, when people do a fandom, it's because there's, um, uh, there are things that the, that the canon isn't doing right or isn't doing enough of. Um, and, you know, so there'll be fanfic and stuff like that. Um, and for Welcome to Night Vale, it's not necessarily a question of them doing anything wrong. It's just that there's so little, especially visually and stuff like that, that you just want to expand. And I think that that's really kind of a cool aspect of it. Am I making any sense? I haven't had any. No, no, no. You're totally making are. sense. It's a yeah. really interesting idea because normally we do think like fan fiction fills the holes. But like, yeah. it's not a negative hole in Night Vale. It's like a positive hole. Like it's uh, when something is scarier because you don't have all the details, your brain yeah. has to fill in the gaps. Yeah. That's how it is. Yeah, and I was about to say, and it, it is scary is one of the things that's really interesting about it because there's so little information. And actually, and, and there's this great uh, thing where Cecil uh, has a moment that we talked about earlier, Mare, um, where Cecil has a moment of like, you know, am I just sitting in an empty booth talking to myself? You know, is all of this just a hallucination? And he never really answers the question. Right. You know, so it's it's entirely possible that this entire podcast is just him kind of going nuts. Yeah. Uh, uh, and then, you know, later on uh, within the context of the show, you get other people's voices, you get other people's recordings. And so kind of through uh, whatever um, external data you get, you get proof that, you know, Night Vale and the radio show and everything are real. Unless but, we're also hallucinating it. Well, that's true, unless you yourself are hallucinating. But it is, for the first, you know, uh, dozen or so episodes, it really was very interesting to kind of listen to this guy and think, you know, it's okay, there could be a place called Night Vale. This could be just a guy in an asylum. Yes, yeah, <laughs> definitely. And another, so. another thing I think is also sort of interesting about Cecil is that you don't really um, know what he looks like. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of cool. And he could, he might not be like super, he may not be really human. Like he may look differently. I think that's sort of, I don't know if this is like a headcanon that like fandom is just sort of, you know, um, gone on to, but like I've mm-hmm. seen a lot of stuff of like the many different faces of Cecil and like, mm-hmm. you know, he could be, he could look differently to anybody. Um, yeah. Because the only Most... thing you really have for him is his voice and then the yeah. rest of it, who even knows? Talking about earlier, like, proving like oh like, i don't want to get into it because like everyone's getting into it because of the big gay relationship i'm like theoretically i don't you know you don't know what he's got down there whoa yeah. wait like, wait what, however wait. you want to define you know, anything like i don't even think have. have you ever even heard him say like i'm a guy like you have no idea which is actually just gonna like, say. Wait. Two, i was just gonna say fanfic possible of like tentacles question mark or possible bug cock. Who knows? You're the worst. Wait, can we? Prue is definitely gonna yell at me for this. So no, whatever. I can't. I can't speak for her. I didn't. I don't know that she will never watch it. I only know that we talked about whether or not fandom was only in it for the gay. Okay, that's she fair. She probably will listen to it at some point. Eventually. You know what? I, I would say, actually, I think fandom is in it not for the gay. I think they are in it to a large extent for the relationship. 
Um, but not necessarily because it's a gay relationship. It's such a well done aspect of it. And there's something very visceral about, you know, two people that you really want to get together, getting together. Yeah. You know, well, I think there's everybody loves that episode of the TV show. So, yeah. yeah. Well, I think also, I think one of the ones where I was like, oh my gosh, I'm just so, and I don't even know how I got here. I was listening to episode 16 when uh-huh. uh, when he gets the when you, you actually hear Carlos for the first time because he's oh, left yes. Cecil's voicemails yes <laughs> really disturbing voicemails but Cecil's of course over the moon that he's called him and his like you know his voice is in his phone it's so great and um the great thing that the, the voice actor does his voice is generally very sort of like low and resonant and it, it literally ratchets up about like two octaves because he's yep. so excited. Because he's so excited that Carlos has called him. You guys, Carlos. Um, Carlos. Terrible impression, but it's like, Carlos has called me. And you're like, oh my gosh, sweetie. And I was like on the street actually listening to this. I had to (laughs) sit down because I was like, ah. I know know you very well. And I know exactly the expression that you have on your face. This perfect expression. Right I'm sure a lot of people thought you were having like a heart attack. Yeah. No, well, I, like no. basically, like that's 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 one reaction I have to it, and the other reaction I have is like complete and utter horror because I don't really feel like we've talked that much about how legitimately scary the show is. It's yeah. so fucking scary. Yeah. Well, I, yeah. I mean, I think that that's something, and and I was gonna say that was another thing that I think fandom reacts to in that they, they try to plug the holes in to make it a little less scary. <laughs> You know, um, not only succeeding, uh, but you know, it's uh, it's it's definitely one of the most unsettling um, media experiences I've ever had. Yeah, I uh, I listened to some of it during the giant storm that Toronto had recently. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my friend, Jen you mean the was... ones where you had blue blue skies and like no flooding, and you were like, "What the hell's going on?" No, no, the no, one the before actual... that. Oh, the actual storm. The actual storm where like uh, a dude lost his Ferrari to the flood. Oh, tiny violins. Yeah, <laughs> one lone tear crawling down my face to say fuck. <laughs> Amazing. That's that was like bitch. big sad news in Toronto. Anyways, um, I listened to a little bit of it during that and then some during the other storm. And a friend of mine was like, I'm sorry, why would you do that? Do you hate yourself? Like, <laughs> that seems like the worst idea I've ever heard. And I was like, no, it was perfect. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Well, I think the thing that I like, and here's the thing, I am a fan of horror but not a fan of a lot of horror if that makes sense like there's a lot of types of horror that I'm really I'm like nope nope my imagination is way too active for this I cannot deal with it like please never again why and I'm very visual so like a lot of it's like the visual aspect of horror is the thing that I find distasteful not and it's not that I dislike gore and it's not that I dislike kind of like it's just like the scary imagery will literally haunt me forever and I'll die. Um, and so this is actually kind of a perfect medium for it for me, which is interesting because I'm really not um, an audio person. I We're going to talk about this later, but there are transcripts that I basically had to read before I could listen to it because my brain just doesn't work that way. And mm-hmm. so this was really great because it kind of, it's scary. It's really scary, but it's scary like when you think about it mm-hmm. and actually kind of like pry into it later. And it's not just kind of, it's not like jump scary, if that yeah. makes sense, which is my favorite type of scary. So like, this is like, if you've ever stayed up to like three in the morning reading creepypasta and then being like, I'm going to die. I'm <laughs> actually going to die. 
curled up in this blanket burrito, and this is my end. I loved you all. Burn my laptop. Like, this is the show for you. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's that subtle twist of you're like, oh, something. it's going to be, it's going to be, it's bad. It's bad. Not good. And I was going to say, and, and for like, for example, and, and a lot of it isn't even scary. It's just creepy. But like um, the, the, the city council is a, is, is somebody who's referenced quite often. Um, and uh, Cecil kind of read a, uh, the remarks that the city council gave about something. Um, but he added that the city council said all of these things in perfect unison while staring directly at the reporter and so you get this you kind thinking? of visual, yeah, you get this visual of like a dozen people just kind of droning this, you know, it sounds like a very casual announcement. And then you're like, oh no, oh no, something's gone wrong. Something is bad here. Something is super, super bad here. Or like yeah. or station management. Yeah. Yes. You never can get into and who are like these shadowy figures behind like, like, yeah. Take glass. <laughs> well, and and there's a and there's an episode where they're doing where Cecil and the rest of the radio station are uh, trying to negotiate their contracts, and station management murders one of their interns. Yeah, we should, we should hard we should, on interns. We should, we should, yeah, we should all the interns. Revolving door of interns. <laughs> yes, um, Dana, Dana, wherever you are. Dana <laughs> is the best intern. Yes, she's well. She survives the longest. In fact, she's still alive, she's even alive. though she's in another in dimension. Part. Pretty good value. Of yeah, Clark. Yeah, she's sort of alive. Um, well, Dana or her doppelganger. Yes. Yes. One of the Danas. One of the Danas. Yes. Whoever no. survived Dana v doppelganger fight. Well, she answers to Dana, which is the important thing, I think. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> sure, that's sure. right. <laughs> Isn't that just what a doppelganger would do? I don't know. Do you um, think Kevin would actually pretend to be Cecil? Actually, fuck yeah, he would. Never mind. He would murder Carlos. I was about to say he would totally. Mur- okay, let's let's not let's not get into a dark place here. I mean, this is dark enough. Come on. This whole episode is a dark place. That yeah. Also, I think one of my favorite, um, like weird, ominous parts of the show is the glow cloud. The glow cloud. <laughs> I love yes. the glow cloud. All hail. I'll hail the glow cloud, which is in charge of the oh, system. The thing, the, the thing that's great about the glow cloud is that, you know, there's this episode where they start talking about this ominous cloud that's kind of hanging over the town and it starts kind of taking people over and it's really horrifying. And then Cecil adds, the glow cloud has just joined the PTA because, <laughs> well, like, because I, it wants its child to get into a good school and you're like, wait, what? <laughs> Don't we all? Yeah. <laughs> Like the I mean, good thing about the show is like it'll take things and it's like wait this is terrifying and then it sort of brings it back around again to the point where you find you feel kind of comfortable and even charmed by things exactly and then it, like brings you back around to the horror which I think is actually even better because I think it keeps you in that constant state of like okay am, are we on so and so side is there a side should we take sides should I be here oh god yeah. <laughs> Well, exactly, and I mean, there's like uh, they they do that very well in the in the episode uh, Your Story, which right. Cecil Cecil narrates your life, um, 
And it's uh, it's obviously not your life, but you know, you, you, or is it you? Well, exactly. Um, and uh, and and as the as the episode progresses, you find out that Cecil is saying all of this in real time as you are doing things. Uh, you as a character are doing things, and so you know the sheriff's secret police are able to pick you up very easily because Cecil has told them exactly where you are. Thanks, Cecil. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Cecil. Um, and, uh, you know, and every once in a while, you know, Cecil referenced the fact that you are listening to the radio program that is broadcasting everything that you are doing. And so, and, and it's one of those, you yeah. You always wanted to hear your, about yourself on the radio. Exactly. Well, and it's one of those things where it's really kind of creepy and very Twilight Zone. And then there are moments of, this is hilarious. And then you're like, oh, wait, no what just happens, um, <laughs> you know, and so, and, and so Nightville is very good at walking that line, so. And I like any show where, like, lit, this is in the first episode, so it's barely spoilers at all, but so, um, they're doing, like, now, sponsors, um, and they're like, nobody does a slice, nobody does a slice like Big Rico's, and then, like, it cuts out all the rest of the audio and goes, no one, and I was like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> well, like, yeah, also, like, can we talk that. about, yeah, can we talk about a word from our sponsors? A yes. word from our sponsors. <laughs> I love a word from our sponsors. There, I was going to say, there are several segments. There's word from our sponsors, there's traffic, and there's weather. Yeah. Um, and those are kind of the recurring. They don't happen every single episode, but they happen pretty often. Um, and uh, word from our sponsors is uh, are, are these beautiful and sometimes terrifying ruminations about the nature of reality and and death and, and, you know, destiny and things like that. And it's like, so go to Subway. Yeah. Eat fresh. <laughs> exactly. Eat so horribly, deliciously, visceratingly fresh. Yeah. And you're <laughs> like, like never want to eat at Subway again. And that's actually never. like always my favorite part of like waiting for the, the kicker. Like, what's it going to be? <laughs> Who is it? And like, it's like Coca-Cola. <laughs> and it's great. It's just like, that's like to me like that's like an ultimate mastery of like comedy on the edge of horror is like knowing when your audience needs to laugh and knowing when your audience needs to be like oh but I laughed <laughs> I laughed at something horrible yeah. so and yeah I think they, that's like one of the things I like best about the show is like it's not it's not just like 30 minutes of me getting scared and it's not just 30 minutes of me laughing but it's kind of like this great combination of the two and you leave it like feeling like weirdly revitalized because mm -hmm. you're like one this weird town is still creeping on and then like two it is like this great balance of emotions and you just thought you have like a lot of fun with it yeah well i was gonna say i think and then nightmares i was about to say i think that cecil's uh attitude towards his own hometown and it, i think most people's headcanons is that cecil was born and raised in night vale uh one of the very few who is a native um and i think that that's uh that's a pretty accurate um assumption to make but yeah, um, um really yeah but, but but one of the things that i love about cecil is that he is he he is very energizing as a character to listen to because you're right you you are kind of like oh night vale just keep on keep on creeping on <laughs> and uh and and so it's, it is really fun to listen to like i i've come away from episodes creeped out but also bizarrely cheerful yeah i don't know mm -hmm. yeah i always have a really good time and like i laugh and then i feel guilty and then i start laughing again yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. I'm just kind of relieved that Night Vale isn't real. <laughs> it's like, right. wow, every time that that happens, I'm just like, oh, this is fiction. Thank God. Are you yeah. sure? Yes. Yes, I'm exactly. sure. I think Cecil, Cecil's sort of genuine affection for the town is really like what makes you love it as well. And I, I think you are right that he is born and raised. And I, at least his, if not his his mom, the things he, the anecdotes you heard about his mom would suggest as much. Yeah, like, yeah. As my mother yeah. used to tell me, someone's going to kill you one day, Cecil, and it will involve a mirror. And you're like, okay. <laughs> I know, yeah. Childhood must have been amazing. Thanks, <laughs> mom. Some of the sayings that Cecil busts out with, you're just like, oh, okay. <laughs> Got it. So, yeah, exactly. Although, I think that it is it is worth noting that Cecil may just have a weirdness generator around him because he does have a episode where he reminisces about his trip to Europe when he was a kid. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, quote, unquote, Europe. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't know if that's and actually... But that's exactly my point. He goes to a place called Schlitz, where the only thing that he does is roll down a hill. <laughs> well, is that well, with a mysterious figure that he does not remember ever meeting or ever leaving. Um, but, you know, every, every all times are nighttime. All times are in the dark. And, you know, and then one day when he rolls down this hill and, you know, lands in the, in the ravine, he actually, like, loses consciousness or, you know, actually seriously injures himself. And he kind of gets up and wanders around. And he's like, it wasn't that long. It was no more than, like, a decade. And it's like, oh, Cecil. <laughs> take the boy out of Night Vale, but you can't take the Night Vale out of the boy. See, I thought Basically. that episode was, like, weirdly romantic. No, no, Em, no. For Cecil? <laughs> no, <laughs> please stop. <laughs> but I don't know, he's like, I went to this place, and it was totally, and then he like, he's like, something that's weird or horrifying, and he's like, it was great! I highly recommend <laughs> going to Europe for anybody. Basically, yeah. So, yeah, I'm yeah. Cecil. I have a feeling like probably, like, wherever he goes, it's like that. <laughs> yeah, well, I, but that's, I mean, I think that that's kind of what I mean, is that, like, I think that the denizens of Night Vale tend to be highly contagious in terms of their weirdness. You know, where they go, weirdness follows. Okay, wait, but um, then, then, what mm-hmm. if the reason that Nightville and Desert Bluffs are so fucked up are that they are next to each other? What if you actually do have a doppelganger, but they're just on, like, a continent away from you in real life? And that's uh, the that only reason that this well is pretty normal. Exactly. I, I, th- I think that that's a very valid theory. I mean, again, like, there's there's so little explained, um, and there's so really little to explain. There's no way to explain what's going on with Night Vale. Um, magic, I think, if you do. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, and uh, so, you know, just just kind of roll with it, no yeah. matter what is. And I kind of, I do also enjoy sort of like a, a headcanon that some people that I've seen around um, of Cecil sort of being the embodiment of Night Vale. Mm-hmm. Like... He's he's always been the voice. He on is yeah. he is Night Vale, and he just happens to sort of manifest himself as like you know Cecil, the radio host, who's talking mm-hmm. to everybody. But he's actually the town, really. <laughs> yeah, um, which I could totally believe. I mean, who knows? But yeah, yeah, I would buy it. So yeah. great. Yeah, and I think what I, what I think is also great about the fact that it's a bi-weekly podcast is it really does encourage people in the meantime to sort of like think on about things on their own and come up with new and interesting reasons for why things are the way they are or connections that they're possibly seeing. And it's like the really great kind of suspense drama TV shows, I think, in that same kind of dedication of its fans to be like, but this is going to happen next because we heard this hint and so blah, blah, blah. And I, I, that 
makes me really excited to enter into any kind of fandom as far as I go into it because I think that always makes for the best weirdest stuff mm-hmm. because I think the show is already so greatly weird already that everyone's like yeah. let's jump in the weird ball pit let's do this <laughs> yeah yeah is no, there a bottom not sure <laughs> <laughs> are the balls actually made out of human intestines maybe we don't know snakes <laughs> question mark alligators <laughs> can they kill your children yes yes <laughs> no, okay, can we talk about the children of Night Vale? And how, like, they have the worst lives ever, right? Like, so much shit happens to the children. Just in the background, you're like, oh, those children. Like, they're just so fucked. And then I in one love- episode, he's like, all of the children have disappeared, but it is unrelated to this thing in the desert, don't worry. And then nothing is said about it again. Yeah, I don't think there are a lot of kids who survive childhood in Night Vale. No, but yeah. all of I the children I feel like it's the equipment, everyone gets, like, exposed on the rocks, and then, like, if you make it, then, like... <laughs> Make it to for you, little buddy. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Well, I also love the one where they're like, all right, this is like a warning about like safety in the area. But then all of our children disappeared the other day, so no safety concerns. Yeah. yeah we find them. Like, if you're going through hell, keep going. Kind of like, all right, well, that's the situation. What else <laughs> yeah. are you going to do about it? Like, hope we find yeah. the kids. Exactly. If we don't, well, and no bigs. There's, and I was going to say, and, and there's, a, there's a lot of, like, you know, things that are uh, emergencies anywhere else that in Night Vale are just kind of like, you know, like the missing children. And then there are things in Night Vale that are terrifying that you think, wait a minute, what are you talking about? Because, like, uh, Street Cleaning Day. Street cleaning uh, day. Street there, cleaning day. There's literally like instead of like the the normal um, start to an episode, which is kind of Cecil saying something mildly creepy and then saying "Welcome to Night Vale." Like literally, he's just losing his shit. He's like, "Everybody, the street cleaners are coming. It's street cleaning day. Hide your <laughs> hide your wives, hide your kids, because they're street cleaning everybody up." Right. You and, know, actually, like, my favorite theory about that though. Yeah. Just, Cleaning day is actually is actually totally just regular street cleaning day, and it's just normal. But it's utterly terrifying to everyone in Nightdale. They don't know what to do. I don't know. Weren't there a couple of like small neighborhood communities like raised to the ground? To be fair, that happens every day. I was going to say that happened on Valentine's Day too. To be completely independent of the street cleaning. I love the annual like Valentine's Day massacre. Yeah. And yeah. how they keep asking for national relief and nobody gives it to them. So like, what the fuck is wrong with you? I was about to say, didn't they, like they they got some sort of like you know all bummer like yeah. note. <laughs> the note was like, we kind of get what you were going for, but we just didn't quite get it. So thanks for your letter. Love the federal yeah. government. Yeah, I mean it was it was like rejection letter from the national guard. But they did get that, like, billion dollars for the earthquake that nobody felt. Yeah. Yeah. So it all evens out, really. Let's spend the money on something good. I love that they were like, but they'll probably never come here, so let's just keep that money. Yeah, basically. (laughs) Oh, beautiful. Another thing I kind of wanted to talk about is I feel like even though the other, the sort of the three things that I think the show does besides sort of charming humor and horror, it actually has this really sort of interesting, very soothing, philosophical-like streak to it. Yeah. Very existentialist, yeah. Yeah, where, like, every once in a while, Cecil just sort of, like, go off and be in, like, these very sort of beautiful poetic things about, like, who you are in the universe and, like, you know, 
you know, your loved ones and like blah, 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 blah. And I'm just sort of sitting there being like, I'm just weirdly very comforted by this. And then I'll go from like, you know, a word from There's like, but then you look in the void. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, so do you remember the thing that he said about love where he was like, I hope that you find love and that you find where it has been hiding and then you find who hid it from you and you exact <laughs> revenge <perfect>. upon them. <laughs> but like, that's what I like best about Cecil because he's like, Theoretically, yes, this mild-mannered, very nice radio show host. But if you wrong him, I swear to God. Fucking Telly well, I mean, the Barber. Yeah. I was going to say, t- talk to Telly the Barber, who's still <laughs> raving in the sand waste, you know. Yeah. Shaving that cactus. Or, or the sounds cactus terrible. The Apache Tracker is actually my favorite takedown on, like, native appropriation in the media I've ever seen, I've ever heard in my life. I was going to say, we should, we should add that the entire sure. fandom, like, whenever anybody talks about that, is like, oh, so if they ever do a TV show, Johnny Depp will play the Apache Tracker. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, womp womp. He's like, I don't even give a crap that he came back as a real Native American who can apparently only speak Russian. That's still racist. What an asshole. (laughs) Speaking of which, what happens is the Apache tracker, who's a white guy and wears this plastic headdress and, you know, basically pisses off the entire town, um, gets sucked into some sort of vortex, like you do, and comes back as an actual Native American and, and, and... as we're describing this, I'm sure that the people who are listening to us are being like, wait, how does that happen? Don't worry about it. Just, Go with what, it. It's nice it, now. It's not, it's, exactly. It's not explained really any better than what we're doing right now. Because Cecil is also baffled. He's <laughs> like, he seems to be actually Native American now. But he's still wearing but a plastic headdress. But he's still Fuck a jerk, and now he can only speak Russian. Um, and when he and, dies, they're like, he was a hero, but we're burying him underground and his monument underground way outside of town because we don't want him to shame us. He's the yeah, exactly. racist embarrassment. Yeah. He's, he's embarrassed this entire community, which is actually a really interesting kind of, you know, takedown on, you know, the nature of heroism versus, you know, what people were actually like. And, you know, you don't want to, uh, I'm looking for a better term than whitewash, but, you know, you don't want to um, ignore the realities of who somebody really was, even though they did something brave and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, mostly it's just hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, I love that realistically, even though he did, like, the thing that should theoretically, like, endear him most to Cecil, which is to say, save Carlos's life. Like, yes. you still, like, I love that he's still, like, but he was still an asshole jerk. So. Well, that love only lasts for, like, five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> and then he's like, I'm busy. Yeah. Um, I think we should wrap up and move on to Rex. I think only Mare has Rex, but I want to hear them. Um, yeah, well, I will say, like, before I do Rex, I think, like, the fandom is actually, like, there's so much great fan art if you go on the Welcome to Night Vale tag on Tumblr. Like, I was sort of, like, casually scrolling through it as we were talking. Um, really great. Would recommend. Um, <laughs> and my, the story that I'm wrecking is, oh, one second. Well, first, um, there is Tumblr user Rubato has a really great um, post that just has collected all the different Night Vale transcripts. Um, and a lot of various people have done them. So this the person, um, they didn't actually like write all of these, but they've collected a whole bunch of them. So if you are like um, 20-something and you're not super great on the auditory processing, um, or 
for whatever reason you'd prefer to read them, you uh, would totally recommend. So I will be passing that along so that you guys can have that. And um, the fic that I am wrecking is called The Temporal Tornado by November Smith, who is one of my perennial favorite fandom authors. Um, all other stuff is just really great. And um, the, the thing that I really like about this, the whole plot of this one is that uh, it takes a very classic fandom trope, de-aging, and basically um, Carlos has been de-aged. And the thing that's really great about it is it's actually, um, uh, it's structured almost exactly like an episode of the show. So it has Cecil introduction, um, the news, and um, so it's kind of like a very interesting, it's, it's just really well-written, kind of like a bottle episode of Night Vale, only Carlos is de-aged. And, you know, Night Vale being Night Vale, like somebody getting de-aged is not even remotely like the weirdest thing that could ever happen. <laughs> um, so it's completely believable. And, and of course, like, the really like adorable part of it is uh, Cecil sort of rhapsodizing about what an utterly perfect precious child Carlos is, <laughs> <laughs> which is really cute. And so, so it goes through that and has like community updates. It has, you know, a word from our sponsor um, and you're sort of like, and things happen obviously, but it's, it's all like written as though it's just um, Cecil reading it. And it even has like a little break for the weather, which I don't think we really talked about the weather, but the weather is pretty much just like a musical guest <laughs> um, that the show does every every time. And uh, so they actually have like a little song uploaded on the AO3 page and, um, and you know, and, and, and in turn dies. Like it's just like an exactly it's exactly like an episode of Night Vale. And um, November Smith definitely like completely nails it. And, um, and it's just really charming and lovely. And yeah, would recommend. Excellent. Yeah. Oh. While she's doing that, I'll just tell yeah. you, in lieu of a wreck today, yes. um, I will just submit this personal piece of headcanon about Night Vale. A lot of people have started going on about, like, oh, you know who I think is from Night Vale? Which actually, I'll, I'll you know oh, what? Yeah, go ahead. Were you going to do that one? No, no, go ahead. Um, one of, this is actually not how she tricked me into watching, listening to it, because I had actually already started listening to it. But she was like, oh, good, now that you're kind of, like, knee-deep enough. I can send this to you. Um, and it's it called. For it? I have it actually. It's okay. called the Job Fair by Sabine Legrand, and it is. It's a crossover with the uh, Marvel movie universe, and wherein uh, Clinton Coulson break down right outside Phil's hometown, and <laughs> it's what. And it has the greatest situation ever, which they're looking at. You know, the desert highway. He's like, "All right, do you remember what mile marker we at? He's like, "Yeah," and he's like, "Okay." So then it's like one mile to the turnoff for Desert Bluffs. And he's like, okay, so we're going to walk to Desert Bluffs. And Clinton's like, <laughs> and Colson's like, no, Desert Bluffs is terrible. <laughs> and that's how you know he's from Night Vale. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's so actually, it's... It's really charming. It's a really great crossover. And I think, like, I could totally believe that Colson is actually the reason why he's, like, the most unflappable motherfucker in the valley is that he was from Night Vale. <laughs> But so, additionally, who else I believe is from Night Vale? I believe Stefan from Saturday Night Live <gasps> is oh from Night Vale. It makes perfect oh sense. My God! Yes, the club scene is still in Night Vale is probably pretty great. Yeah, but the <laughs> this club scene place is has everything, or it did until five minutes ago. <laughs> it did until the city council shut it down with fire. Yeah, basically. And so I was like, I was thinking about it last night, and I was like, oh. Well, I hope he takes Seth Meyers home. Me too. I would read that fic. 
That would be really great. Somebody get on that. Proceed, internet. Proceed. <laughs> um, okay, the other fake that I'm going to wreck is actually one of the earlier ones that I read. Um, it's called The Rat and the Ruby Slippers um, by Indigo Stokelet. Um, probably mispronouncing your username. Sorry. Um, but I think it's one that I would not actually recommend reading until after you have listened to The Sandstorm because it does have um, a lot of desert bluff stuff. Those and, um, yeah, and pretty much the whole premise of it is that Carlos is basically wakes up and he's in desert bluffs and his boyfriend is Kevin and everything is creepy and wrong. And he's sort of like trying to get back to Night Vale and Cecil. Um, and it's, it's really well done. It's very like, you know, and it, it has really good Carlos voice. Um, and obviously he is like, you know, amnesia and stuff and he doesn't really know what's going on either. But, um, if you ever had a lot of like desert bluffs is awful, like, and you just pretty much spend the entire fic just like screaming at like him to like wake up and like go back to where everything is great and go back to Cecil. Um, and Kevin is terrible. And, uh, yeah, it's really, it's really well done. Um, and yeah, um, I think there's, there's actually like been a lot of like pretty great fic that's come out recently that unfortunately I'm not super caught up on. So it's all showing um, up on the pin popular fandom page. It is, it is. Um, there's, there's like, I think the third one right at this very particular moment is a, is a night Vale fic, which is totally on my to read list. Um, a love song for Schrodinger by Path of Pharmacology. Um, and I've heard good things about it. So yeah. yay, fandom. <laughs> I think we have to end this before, uh, you know, before the mayor makes a press conference. Yes. So, <laughs> just the for, glow cloud looks angry. The glow cloud does look angry. To be fair, the glow cloud's child must also have been taken into the desert and disappeared with all those other children. So yeah, we should end this. Yeah. Sounds good. I think that's, good night, yeah. Slash reporters, good night. Good night, slash reporters, good night. We'll, we'll see you next week, probably, unless something terrible happens, which it might... And, uh, you know, you may never hear from us again. Now, we're all so happy that we don't even care if we're temporarily discorporated. Shit happens. <laughs> good night, Night Vale. Good night. Yeah, say goodbye. Bye. Goodbye. Bye. Mother is a good woman. Good morning. Emily would give, just give us like periodic updates. Like <laughs> this just in for the news desk. Can only get on the internet in one place, and if she hops upside down and is dangled out a third story window, and I was like, that bitch. <laughs> <laughs>